What's with all these badass women in movies and TV who still need to be rescued by men? Or the ones who can defeat armies of muscle-bound henchmen barehanded, but have to do it in skin-tight suits and high heels? And what's up with those badass women who never wanted or needed a man until our suave hero sexed her up, and then she dies? Welcome to the Outrider Podcast's seven-part series, Problematic Badass Female Tropes. I'm your host, Jason Quinn Malott, and I'll be talking with the writer, performer, and all-around badass who identified these tropes, my friend, Jen Zukowski. So strap on some pasties and a merkin, and let's do this thing. So here we are, episode we are. six Hi. of uh, Problematic Badass Lady Parts. <laughs> nope. number six of course sweet, is one of the guys sweet pussies and do you have anything to uh to throw out before we get to this one i mean only or about... do you want me to summarize this one sorry i'm eating chocolate mm. that's okay you are allowed i didn't go <laughs> thank you I did not go and reread this one. You have my um, permission as the man oh, oh. to eat your chocolate. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you, man, in this scenario for giving me permission to eat chocolate. Just, just thought we'd really, f you know, yeah. get that whole sexist thing out front here with this one. The, the man in this duo is giving me permission to eat chocolate when I have PMS, so that's great. Right. <laughs> Cheers. A couple thousand miles oh. apart, like, you know, you really need Oh, wow, that is a really sweet red wine. Holy shit. That's a dessert wine. Okay, that's cool. It's what? dessert. Hey. So yes. I didn't I didn't go reread this one because I was really busy um, choreographing fight scenes and uh -huh. stuff all week. That's one of the things that I do, as it, as it says in the, in the article. It yep. describes it kind of in detail. So I was occupied with that kind of thing. But it's also, this is the meme that's kind of part of my life. Right. And that's why I use a, a, a like a personal anecdote <laughs> in the article. Right. Um, and it's actually kind of fucking my entire life. It, it Like, I think that when I write the book that's based on all of these tropes, I'm going to uh -huh. really spend a lot of time on chapter six because it's like I could just keep seeing it, especially once I wrote this article and did the research and like buckled down and really crafted my arguments and stuff like that. I really started to see like holy shit this is my entire life <laughs> and side note which is related but it's a kind of a cute side note so my partner and i we went to high school together we had right. a long gap of about 25 years where we never saw each other but we were kind of sweet on each other in high school we never did anything about it so i i'm of course now that we're together again i'm going back and going okay so where's all the pictures from high school that i can find where he and i appear <laughs> together and there are hardly any i mean there are a couple really giant group cast pictures right in like the theater department where there's where there's like a giant mob of like 30 kids and he and i are in the same like room but we're not really like you know we just never like we hung out a lot like at school and he walked me home to the bus or walked me to the bus <laughs> for a year and a half. But like we never appeared in any like yearbook pictures together. We never like hung out. So I'm like trying to find any, any pictures where, where he and I are at all like in the same kind of space. <laughs> and I finally found a group picture 
from when we were sophomores. Now, this is back in the day when it was not freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. In Boulder High, it was you started high school as a sophomore. Right. We mentioned right, junior high. and then That was back in the day school. when so, junior high was was seventh, eighth and ninth. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So you start you basically started high school at the end of junior high. So it was our first year at high school. So it was sophomore year, there was a production of, of um, Romeo and Juliet, and it was mm-hmm. awesome. And um, I was one of the chorus members, and he played Tybalt. And mm-hmm. so there was a there was a picture. Yeah, no, he was awesome, too. I remember thinking it was really funny. My best friend and I, I remember listening to him going, so drawn among the, the lions, you know. Right. I hate the words. I hate hell, I'll and and we're like, where did he get that voice? Like this, you know, we're all 15, 16 years old. <laughs> like, you know, we're sophomores in high school. We're freaking right. so young. We're like, where did he get that voice? And I remember my friend going, whoa. But anyway, so there's this picture, Romeo and Juliet. And it's like, it's Tybalt versus Mercutio. Uh-huh. So it's two buddies of ours playing Tybalt. Mercutio, it's my partner playing Tybalt. Good friend of ours playing Mercutio and they're like, they're like brandishing knives at each other. There's like <laughs> three of the, like the Capulets on this one side and three right. of the Montagues on the other side. And, and in that picture, there's a bunch, you know, a bunch of the chorus guys who are the toughs. There's Ben Bolio, but the rest of them aren't really named. It's just uh-huh. a bunch of like, you know, chorus fighters. And there's three guys on one side on Mercutio's side, trying to hold it back, you know, don't fight. And there's three sort of toughs on the Montague side pulling. Oh, no, it's Cap. It's the other way around. Anyway, right. Juliet's the Capulet. Anyway, you get the idea. So there's mm-hmm. three on each side trying to pull the fighters back. And I am the only girl in the entire <laughs> picture. And this is whole picture. It's depicting this great fight scene. And we're all everyone's like ridiculously young. Uh-huh. Everyone's got baby faces. They're trying to look tough. But a fight scene, and I'm the only girl, and I'm dressed like a guy. I've got a, I've got a blazer on. I've got a cap on. Like right. I, I'm totally one of the guys. I am just a tough guy. <laughs> I'm pulling. This is the only picture I can find from any of the high school, any of the three years of high school, right. where I'm in any proximity to my partner. I'm holding his arm <laughs> in this very staged way to pull him back. And this is fantastic picture. But I just found it because I was delighted. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's finally a new high school picture where we're, we're close together. And I'm like, holy shit, look at this. Look at this. It's this number six. Is totally <laughs> an epitome of this entire thing. And this is the story <laughs> of my life. And that was, what, sophomore year in high school. So right. by the time I described the band of young men, that was te- about a decade later. So we're right. about 15, 15, 16 in, in high school. And then I was about 25 in the band of young men. So. Anyway, <laughs> I just thought it was interesting. So anyway, summary. I don't know if that's that, that kind of gets to one of the guys. It's it's yeah. the uh, it's the female story character who must uh, dress up as a man to do um, things normally as, um, assumed to be manly things, and the 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 problem that uh, that you've outlined with that is that this forces her to to discount or or throw off her femininity right in order to be and and what the signal is and what the damaging part of this trope is all about is that it's this underlying idea of the Mm -hmm. trope which is that women actually can't be badass so with this trope in particular the more badass a woman is the less feminine she has to be right the badass, the badassness, in other words, and the femininity is is a sort of reciprocal kind of thing. 
So I bring up a couple things. I bring up my own experience with the the, the sword fighter guys, mm-hmm. and I also bring up the character Vasquez and aliens as well. And I, I talk about Mulan too, and uh, also about Eowyn, like the whole trope of the like you have to dress up as a man in order to go to war because you're not allowed to fight because you're a woman. And that's a cultural and a time period thing. Right. Um, sometimes both. Um, so, I mean, it's cool. And I like that. I love, I love mm-hmm. that there's a story about these two pi- female pirates that had to dress up as men in order to, right. you know, be able to join the, to join the pirates. Um, and actually the cool thing about that story, it's, it's Mary Reed and Anne Bonnie. Mm-hmm. The cool thing about that is they both, did a thing. They all got captured because the guys weren't fighting. They were downstairs playing. They're down in the, you know, in the hold playing cards and the women were up guarding and they're like, Hey guys, the Navy's coming. Could you come help us? They're like, whatever. So they got captured because they wouldn't fight. And, um, the women only fighted, fought, fighted, fought. Um, but they actually all went to prison, but the women were like, Hey, we're pregnant. So how about not hanging us? And the jury was like, oh, shit, well, we can't hang them because they're pregnant. <laughs> so they live because they pull, they, they plead their bellies, which I think is kind of a neat sort of way out. But anyway, so that's that's the kind of thing. It's like there's that's what the trope does is it's it, it gives you the, the signal that, hey, the more badass you are, the less woman you have to be. And and that kind of, I think, leads to the the one um, problem example that I have with the trope and you kind of get to what I'm to, to the problem that I have in, in your essay, but oh, I, I do. don't okay. think you quite, you quite, again, I think it's one of those situations where when you expand this essay, you need to really consider about, consider that, that boundary where, um, where fiction comments on and relates and connects to reality. Okay. Um, and part of that is Do because Eowyn, you list as, as sort of belonging to this trope, but I think she's kind of the escape hatch. She's the undermining aspect of this trope because she's a woman within the world of the story. She is a woman who is told, oh, you can't do this war thing because you're a woman you got to stay back here and so yes she dresses up as a man to go out and do the fighting mm-hmm. but as you point out in the essay you know it gets it's important that she does this because you know the uh what is it the witch king yep you know can cannot be killed by any you know man born of woman very very Right. By any man. <laughs> By any man. And very Macbeth. It is very Macbeth. <laughs> right. Well, so within the within the isolated well, are, cosmos of the story. But there are also arguments that say that the Hobbit, who was also behind the Witch King, was kind of the one that dealt the death stroke. Hmm. That the Hobbit not being a man because, you know, in the Tolkien world, mm-hmm. there's man with a capital M and there's dwarves, right. there's elves and there's the, the Astari or the wizards. So like, it can be argued that it was the Hobbit, not a man that killed him. Right. I've, I've seen, but this I'm, I'm, I've seen, yeah, I've, I've seen that argument, but that's like saying that it's, it's a nitpicky, like protect my it's testicles. Very thing. <laughs> and, uh, it's also, it's also kind of like, it calls it 
also kind of doesn't matter. I mean, the fact that there's a woman and a hobbit both that both get in from from front and back is like perfect right. for him to die. That, that's totally fine to me. But okay, the, so the whole, but how, but the do you, is, how do you say that she undermines the trope, though? Because 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 you, they have that rule in this world that the witch king cannot be killed by a man, and and Eowyn has this warrior training, and the society within it says you can't do it because you're a woman, and so she dresses up like a a man to go out and do the fighting. But you see, the thing is that her unlike these other characters. Mulan, you know, where where their where their femininity is erased and not essential as made unessential to their badassery. Eowyn's case, her womanness is essential to her badassness because in order to take down the witch king, she both has to be able to fight him. Mm-hmm. And not be crushed, and to not, and be, a be, and to not be a man. Her right. womanness is essential to her ability to be a badass and take down the witch king. Whereas Mulan's femininity, her womanness, is not essential to what she's doing, which is taking her father's place. Only thing right. that the womanness does for her is it makes her have to hide it. Right. Right. So I think that Eowyn's character is actually a comment on, um an argument against one of the guys trope, because even though she has to dress up like the guy to get past the cultural window, it's essential that she retain her womanness. I see that, but I see that the fact that she has to pretend like she's a boy, it is totally with the trope. Just the fact that she has to do that. And actually, to, to be honest, they actually don't, I mean, part of it is that, you know, her, her response to her father and Aragorn both going, OK, so so, honey, go ahead and stay here. Right. And she's like, oh, you're just telling me that because I'm a woman. And but, you know, then once you guys are all dead in battle, I, I have leave to be burned in the house because you'll no longer need it. Like this is beautiful speech. But they actually don't literally like if you look at, at what they say to her as to why she needs to stay behind. It's not. That she's a woman, actually. I mean, it, it, it's implied that it is, but it's more like you're strong. You are like the princess, basically, as far as this, this sort of Vikingish society goes. Like you're the next higher ranking human here. Everyone loves you. Everyone will follow you. You are strong enough to lead everyone. And then actually what, what her father says to her is, let you be as lord to the Eorlingas while we're gone. She gets pissed off. She's like, oh, fine. Fuck you. Go ahead and go fight because you're men. But that's actually not really why they do that. And the fact that she gives up this duty to protect her people to go fight as a boy in the in the war is actually pretty irresponsible in my mind. But I mean, I'm glad she does it, obviously. Otherwise, the witch king. Well, no, I don't know. Maybe maybe the hobbit would do it. It was it's Pippin, right? That is behind the witch yeah, king. Yeah, I don't think the hobbit the could leg. have done it by himself. Yeah, I don't know. He got he got kind of like strong for the end juice that he drank and stuff. But but you know what I mean? Like it, it's it, that Aelin's complicated. I will totally agree with that. But I also write in that she has to be a woman in order to be the particular badass that she needs to be. And that is absolutely true. She can't 
be a weakling. She can't not know how to fight. She has, she calls herself a shield maiden. Like she has to be trained. She has to know what the fuck she's doing, but she also can't be a man. There's no way she can be a man and defeat this thing. So yes, I, I completely concede that, but I also don't think that that undermines the trope. Just the fact that she has to pretend to be someone else. If she could ride out into battle as Eowyn, shield maiden, Hi, I'm a shield maiden. She says this. I'm a shield maiden. I don't feel. I don't fear death. I've been trained in shield and blade. I'm. I can do this, you guys. Why? I mean, why are you leaving me behind? So, that to me, is what keeps it in the trope. Is that just the fact that she has to pretend to be a boy at all? The fact that she can't ride into battle as Eowyn by her father's side. But why? 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 Because it's like you said, it's a cultural thing that the men are riding into battle and the women are staying behind. So then would you say that that Tolkien was using the trope without thought or using the trope to comment upon the condition of women? I think that Tolkien was writing from the perspective of reading all kinds of amazing Viking sagas, Uh from reading Finnish folklore Uh and from being a, a... amazing linguist and scholar of old English, which means right. that he read all true shit, all the romances, all that stuff. And so he's drawing from that, that tradition specifically. That's what I think. I think that him. And does that, making, does that tradition, not I think that any... him having, having the Macbeth moment with Eowyn, not being, I was from my mother's womb one time ripped, but being, I am no man. Oh, yeah, no, man. That's pretty progressive for the time that he was writing this, but he's also writing it directly from specifically Viking sagas, but also from the true Witter tradition, which is where he you know, has, the, that's the whole Arlen syndrome thing. It's the whole, it's this long standing tradition about that. So the fact that she has to dress up means that in that culture, she's not allowed to fight. Mm-hmm. And also in that culture, it's very Viking-like. The Rohirrim women are very Viking-like. So she would have been trained. But because of all of the troubadour, the, the English troubadour kind of, and, you know, the Arthurian kind of stuff. Right. That's also influencing it. She can't be a knight. But would not, would not uh, being that particular tribe and, and, and Eowyn being, you know, borrowed from this Viking tradition, could not she have been a warrior? There, she should. There, there are historical. Point. There's historical evidence now that a number of uh, very famous Viking warriors were women. Were women? Yeah. No. Totally. And that's that's my point. She should have been. There's absolutely no reason from this kind of Viking culture perspective that she shouldn't have been able to ride out by her father's side mm-hmm. as Eowyn, shield maiden. You know, daughter of the king. Like, there's no reason why that shouldn't have been okay. So that that's that's why I call it part of the trope because there was there is still sort of oppressive thing, and I don't know. It, it, I mean, I think mm-hmm. it's that's why I said about the whole knighthood thing, the whole Arthurian thing, is that Tolkien didn't take the Viking thing completely all the way. Right. He also added this: "Oh, you're a woman, you have to stay home," even though they don't particularly say that, but that's what she says. Mm-hmm. But that's that's really the center of my A1 argument is the whole reason she has to dress up as a boy and pretend she's someone she is not. That, to me, is the center of it. Right. But then there's 
but you then have that bit where the witch king can only be defeated by yeah. a woman. And so she well, has by, to no, by, be there. By not a man. By a not By not a man. That could be anything in that world. Woman, that could be not an elf. man. No, no. That could be an elf. That could be a dwarf. That could be a hobbit. That could be a... Do you know what I'm saying? It's good that she's out there. It's good that she chose to do that because that was essential that she did that. But it is still a trope because she had to pretend to be someone else in order to even be allowed to go. They would have made her stay home if she had not dressed up as a man. Hmm. They would. Hmm. And that's exactly what happened. She, they're like, stay behind. Be, be as Lord to the Lord and Gus. Right. Help, help the people. Go up in the mountain. Go hide. And she's like, and the only way she can not go up into the mountain and hide with the scared old people, children, and women, the people who aren't allowed to fight, in other words, is to dress up as a man. That's the mm -hmm. only choice she has if she wants to go fight. She can't be like, hey, she can't make an argument. And she does. She makes an argument like, oh, oh so yeah. you're just, but and she can't. The argument doesn't work. So she has to dress up as a guy. So that's the thing. You have to not be a man. You have to not be a woman in order to be able to be a fighter, to be a badass. And then, of course, Anne is like, oh, shit. Oh, good thing you decided to do that. <laughs> oh, hey. But doesn't we didn't realize all that magic and stuff like we didn't, we didn't know about the Witch King. Good thing you decided to, didn't they, <laughs> to do wouldn't that. Wouldn't they have known about the Witch King, though? No. Uh -uh. Why would they? They seem to know a lot about the the ring wraiths who he is part of. Nah, all they know is that they're uh, men. They used to be men and they all had rings and they all got fucked up because of the ring. That's all they know. They know they're slaves to Sauron and that's what they know. They don't know the fact. It's only good when the witch king says it out loud. He's like, ha ha. Hey, sausage cart. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, hot dog cart. I don't give a shit about you guys because I won't be killed by a man. And then the Hobbit, who is really small, and this is one of the things I'm talking about in my new series, the mm -hmm. top of masculinity tropes, the small male is one of the people that can defeat him. And the other person that can defeat him is the woman. Now, the difference is there, too. Remember this, is that the Hobbit, though not a man, is small. He's small. He's a halfling. He's a Hobbit. Right. But he is also a squire. Like he's honored and he's allowed to ride openly as himself. Why? Because he's male. He's a male hobbit. He's allowed right. to but come join the army. they were still going to leave him behind. No, they weren't going to leave him behind. He was a part of the whole thing from the beginning. Oh, you mean from like from Elrond's like council? No, from the... F f he would not... When we had the argument about who ended up killing the witch king... Well, I don't know. I think they both did, but whatever. Whether they, well, it's whether they both hurt. did or not, that the the Hobbit would not have been there if Eowyn hadn't picked him up on her horse when they rode into battle. Right, but he was he was allowed to be there. Like he didn't have to dress up as something. But they were else. still going to like, leave oh, him hey, behind. Here's the Hobbit. Right, but they were going to leave him behind because he was, you know, a giant footed Small. midget. <laughs> Wow, that was very on PC. I just called him small. Sorry. I... So what's our goofy title for this? Giant put in <laughs> Or is it Sweet Pussy? 
I don't. I haven't come up with one yet. Maybe we'll get to something later. I don't know. You know us. We talk. But do you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, they would have left him behind, but they didn't, and so he was fine. But she had to become something else. She had to become a man in order to be there. She had to. Yeah. I I under I agree with that part, but I think still that there's there's a there's a bit of a commentary to be read into that story by the fact that it was necessary for her to be a woman. Yes, it was well, it was right. necessary for her to be there. Yes, absolutely. Because, you know, like I said, with when you get with the Mulan character or the or the Vasquez character in in Aliens, the only reason they are women is is because it it's there's kind of no reason, is there? Yeah, there's really kind of no reason. I mean, the only yeah. reason you have Vasquez as a woman is to give the joke. That oh, you and write there's about. all kinds of jokes. Yeah, the, the others, the main joke, right? And we won't even let's not even talk about her brown face thing either. <laughs> she's she's portrayed as a Latina, and she's not the actress is white. So anyway, but we won't go into that. Really, that's a whole nother like the series. actress. Was, I thought she. Who's the actress? I forget her name. I I just. I, I remember, I might be wrong, like tell me if I'm wrong, but oh, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm, I, I am DB here, and I think that I, I remember she was a white actress and they put on face her, but I think I got mainly, mainly they my information about that from um, everything wrong with the Cinema Sins series. <laughs> Have you seen this? No. Uh-uh. Of course, I, I follow other people who are who are commenting on tropes like a uh-huh. lot just because I want to see what other what other people are saying, both both scholarly and you know pop people who are doing right. like YouTube stuff. And TV tropes is great, but um, so I, I do watch lots of the Cinema Sins series, and that's kind of where I got that from. They're like, oh, and you're supposed to be yeah, you're supposed to be Latina, but uh, okay. Well, <laughs> technically, technically she is i mean she is jewish from russia morocco and brazil so technically she's south american although brazil is more portuguese than so she's no no she's latin ish okay all right so why did i hear that she was brown well she was probably Probably because probably because she's jewish russian (laughs) as well as moroccan and brazilian and they maybe had to darken her for the role. Had to. Listen to me. They didn't have to fucking darken her. <laughs> if indeed they did. Anyway, okay, I don't know. Oh, that was just she is now the proprietor of the store Jeanette Bras, a large cup bra specialist known for well, its slogan, hey. the alphabet starts at D. Whoa. <laughs> Damn. Oh, yeah. People do stuff. She's been in a whole bunch of stuff. That's cool. Good in 2014, her. she was in the movie Under the Hollywood Sign. I've never heard of that movie. She was in Clock no. Stoppers. So she's still, is she still She active? was in Fear in... and Loathing in Las Vegas in 98. Oh, oh this is the 90s. Okay. She played a, a science officer in Star Trek Generations. Oh, God, it's been so long. She was in Terminator 2 Judgment Day. And she was in Lethal Weapon 2. Oh. And she was in the Presidio. Oh. And she was in Miracle Mile. Just bit parts in that one. Well, she's she's a worker. 
Although yeah. now she's doing uh, boob slings, huh? Yeah, boob slings. That's I cool. Guess. Well, that's cool. Jeanette Goldstein. That's at least what the okay. Wikipedia page says here. Well, maybe I'm wrong, but I did hear that. But anyway. But yes, more to the point. <laughs> you're right in that in that Mulan and Vasquez don't really have any reason to be female, except it makes for really fun sexual tension and so makes for jokes. Vasquez is real clear in your mind right now, right? I mean, your image of her. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the whole like pull-ups thing and I can't see that. Oh, well, that's... It's just a big, bright blob. I will have to send you it to just, you. You can just send it to me. But yeah, I think that's the that's really the hinge point, which is why, like I said, I'd like to find positive or or non examples of these tropes. Right. But at the same time, it's like, even if it's like, like Ripley with the with the um, mother knows best. Like, there's a lot of positive reasons why she is doing all of that stuff, and there are character reasons why she's been written to be a mother knows best. Mm-hmm. But it is still. It is still that trope. It still is. It's a better one than, say, Beatrix Kiddo version of it. Right. But it's like like in the Marion effect, even in the very first one. Like Marion Ravenwood is is kind of cool still, even when she becomes a damsel in distress. But mm-hmm. it is still an example of that trope. I would say that Eowyn, she's a much better example. Like she, it's much, it's much better than any of the other ones right. that I come up with. But it is still an example of it. And there, and like you said, there is a little commentary at the end. It's like, hey, so, hey, can we think about this maybe and let women fight? Because there's some reasons why they can <laughs> and why. why they should maybe. So, I mean, yeah. But it is still an example of it. It's just not, you know, it's not a horrible example of it. It's just, right. well, there it is again. She has to dress up as a man in order to go fight. She has to. There's no other choice for her. So that's kind of the center of that, I think. Hmm. But I don't know. We can talk about Tolkien's treatment of women all day. Is it is it generally bad or generally good? Um, it's generally just not even. It, it's just a, he comes from such a he's writing from such a tradition of, like I said, the Eddas and the the sagas of old and the Trubadur mm-hmm. stuff and the Arthurian saga, right. which is just you know there's just no kind of role for women particularly and the fact that he threw this Macbeth fucking bit in in Two Towers is oh no is that Return of the King no it's Two Towers no it's Return of the King where she kills the witch king <laughs> or is it Two Towers it's all one book to me it's Lord it's of the Return Rings. of the King it's Lord in the, the final Rings. battle with the at least as far as the movies go I'd never read the books oh for fuck's oh no of course no you know what if you're not if you're new to fantasy you should definitely not Start with those books. I am not new to fantasy. I understand you think I don't read it, but I was a kid. I was a kid once. <laughs> oh, thank you for like totally denigrating my entire <laughs> genre. Fantasy is for kids. Okay, We've been having the same this argument. argument We've had been having the same do? argument for twenty years. Is this happening now again? <laughs> fantasy is for kids. Fantasy is not as well written. Fantasy is uh. God, we, we know where we stand on this. For, I was a kid once. Are you fucking serious right now? Well, that's when I went through my fantasy phase. Some people never oh. grow out of it. But that's, oh, my God. You're so 
God. Okay, everyone listening to this, please, <laughs> please write in with many, many messages of vitriol for Jason Quinmalot right now. For that phrase, some people never grow out of it. Holy fucking shit. Okay. I, I can't even go on with that. I'm going to be a white girl and be like, I can't even. <laughs> I can't even. I can't even. Well, but... Anyway, <laughs> like, you know, you and I have had this argument for for about 20 years now. We're not getting into this. This is not the podcast for this argument. <laughs> this argument <laughs> in a different podcast on Outrider, no less. But most of these tropes do appear in genre fiction. Why is that? Yeah, I was actually thinking about adding more like. I don't know. I, I wanted to I wanted to restrict it to seven because mm-hmm. uh, seven's a lucky number. But then I kept thinking about other other like examples of different tropes that happen that happens over and over again in the, in the insidious way of them. And I'm wondering right. if like maybe there are different versions of it. Like like right now I'm starting on the the masculinity ones mm-hmm. and I have the first one published um, just recently on yep. Writers HQ. I just and saw that. the second one's Go big or go soon. home. Go big or go home. And, um, but like, like the, this is a classic trope that happens in non-genre fiction all the time. It happens in literary fiction kind of, kind of consistently kind of a lot Mm -hmm. and kind of nowhere else, which is the, the professor usually of literature or something that has the young, live, young female student inexplicably fall in love with him and they have a torrid affair and right. whatever else happens. Well, and, that's, that's, you the, know. that's the English professor's fantasy fiction. Right. And exactly. again, it's an immature, <laughs> it's an immature form. Yeah. For immature people. Yes. And that, but that doesn't happen in genre. I was trying to think of like a trope that, that happens in, in genres other than like, geek culture type right. type things. And that's that's the one that really pops out at me that happens yep. so many times. We were talking about what makes a trope. I would say that a trope right. is something that is A, insidious, B, damaging in some way, and C, I think essentially, most essentially, it happens over and over and, and over, over and, and over and over and over and over and over, over, and over, and over again. So often that it's just ingrained. We don't even notice it anymore. Like the, like the woo her until she says yes. If she says right. no, you're just not trying hard enough. That trope, like all that like happens so often that it's just yep. kind of expected now. And, <laughs> <laughs> or not, not expected, but like not even noticed. Right. As a thing. So I don't know. So these seven are just ones that I came up with that I see a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there are more, and I don't know if maybe I should come up with like a couples trope series, like <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that doesn't that that's not only one or the other of the binary genders, but that has to do with like relationships. Maybe mm-hmm. I should do another seven after I'm done with the seven masculine ones, being like seven couples or seven relationship tropes. Right, right. Yeah, maybe. So back to just one of the guys. Or one of the guys. Did you see or have you watched that the movie, Just One of the Guys? Which no, I didn't get to. Which is a, mm-hmm. a non-fiction um, 
fantasy version of the uh, of the trope. And it's Twelfth Night, right? Yes. We decided. Um, so that's a contemporary Twelfth Night. Right. Where she's the high school journalist who is, you know, trying to uh, get an, a summer internship before college, which should which she thinks will make her career. And her uh, her journalism advisor at her high school uh, won't take her seriously because she's a girl. And so right. she decides to pose as a boy at a different high school in order to um, write the kind of stories she wants to write so that she can get this scholarship get published. Yeah. And ends up making friends with this kind of outcast guy who's into James Brown I really like this movie. It's a whole lot of fun. But I should watch it, yeah. Oh yeah. And where, where is it available? Where can I where can I watch it? Uh I don't know that it's on Netflix right now, but uh you might be able to grab um a cheap rental on iTunes or something like that. Oh, okay. Or Amazon. Yeah. Okay. Um right, so she she uh and she ends up falling for this guy. And of course, the climactic scene is is she's going to prom with her with the guy dressed as a guy. They're on double <laughs> dates, each with a girl. And the uh, the ex-boyfriend of the the girl in drag, who's a college student, shows uh-huh. up for some reason at the prom, tracks her down. Why? <laughs> well, she's breaking up with him. And he's won't have it because he's the possessive whatever guy. Oh, he I shows see. up oh, I see. at the prom and 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 confronts her while she's in drag, and you know it has to, you know basically pulls off the mask and and everybody's a little bit freaking out. And she so she ends up pulling aside the guy that she has the crush on and kisses him. And he's like, wait, wait, I'm not that way. I don't like guys. And she has, there's this great scene where she like rips open her shirt. You know, she's not bound. She's been in man drag the whole time. And she's (laughs) supposed to be appearing to be a man. But when she rips open her shirt, she hasn't been bound. She hasn't, and she she has, she has fairly substantial and quite nice breasts. And you know, like, (laughs) gosh. And you're like, one, this is why. This is why I generally have a problem with anything that you could label fantasy. I <laughs> So yeah, so just one of the guys. It's it's pretty good, but it's it's a straight up, you know, genre, you know, Shakespeare interpretation of, you know, this particular trope cool. without descending into a uh, um Well, Mulan isn't a, either. Mulan's historical fiction. Right. I mean, the Disney movie is like there's a talking dragon and shit, but right. But like the actual story is 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 she's a figure traditionally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell me some more about your your adventures in the man realm. Well, it's interesting because I I didn't, <laughs> and and the more I go into these articles, the more I like discover more about mm-hmm. my own experience. And, um, and that's why I'm writing these in, in particular, but 
when I was writing this one, I I was I wanted to use my experience at Renfair with the Band of Men. And right. Band of Men is an old old um, motif, not a trope, but a, a folklore motif. Uh-huh. Um, specifically, it pops up in Native, Native American, mm-hmm. in particular, and Native like South American um, stories as well. Um, but it's this, it's this like roving band of young men. Of course, it's all like talking about puberty and talking about how boys become men and about the, 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 um, the pain you have to go through in order to become a man, like the, the rituals that you have to undergo Mm -hmm. in order to become a man. And so like, you know, these roving bands of young men, they're often werewolves in these stories or they're, you know, they're like, you'll, you're in danger if you run into these, these kids, you know? And it, it's all stories about coming of age as a man, basically. Right. And it was something that I was talking because, of course, I, I I run this by a lot of the most well-read, like you know, intelligent people that I know when I'm writing them. And um, it was something that I was talking with with my partner a lot about, and I was like writing a lot, a lot more about my own personal experience. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have cut down a lot. I, I cut it down a lot for this article, but. Um, I was like, and there was something he said, he just turned to me. He's like, you know, you came of age as a man. You went through the entire Mm -hmm. boy into man ritual. Like, and they didn't give you a different version for being a girl. It was, you were literally, and and he told me this, like, it it didn't start with them, obviously. Like I'm talking about this picture that I found of Romeo and Juliet. Like I've been kind of like this my entire life, but in, in that particular like time with, with sword fighting with these guys, the band of young men, I was actually like taken aside by the director and choreographer of the whole band. He was the leader of the band of young men and we were divided in two. And I was a part of the, the, the actual band of young men, the like kind of the wicked rovers of the whole um, theatrical thing. He took me aside. He's like, the reason I have cast you in this role is because you are the only one who can, do this. You're the one who can hang out with us, who can be one of us because you're one of us. And the two dudes that I hung out with the most, the two like primary band of young men, it was mm-hmm. the three of us that were the main, like the, the, the alphas, I guess. But, um, the two of them would have this like sexual contest throughout the summer where they would, they would like right. compete as far as how many women they could like bed throughout the entire summer. There was this competition. They're like, Zuko, you need to join us. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? At the time I didn't realize my bias very much at all. Like right. it was kind of like this kind of nagging thought, but I, I, I had no idea really. I was very, very late bloomer. So I was like. <laughs> I can't compete with you guys. Like there's so many fewer pretty guys out here than pretty women. And at the time I wasn't going to go for pretty women. So I was like, come on, I can't compete with you. But they, they were like, come on, you got to compete with us. And you, you know, it, it was just like, I was totally, I went to the entire, like all of the rituals, mm-hmm. all of the drinking, all of the cigars, all right. of the, like, Obviously, we were very extraordinarily physical during that summer. It was like a really hard work. We did mm-hmm. nine sword fights every day. We got 10 minutes to prepare before the sword fight. We got 10 minutes after to cool off because it's really fucking hot up in Larkspur, Colorado yep. in the summer. <laughs> Can be, so, yeah. And I, and after that, we would just walk around as our characters and, you know, sing Irish drinking songs and stuff like that. So 
and then afterwards we would, I like, I learned, I learned how to drink in college really, but like I was drinking with them. They were sort of trying to include me in their sexual (laughs) stuff. And it was like, I totally, I, and I was like, just realizing that having written about this and, and someone Mm -hmm. other than me having read it going, you know, you actually went through the entire male coming of age thing. Right. Like you came of age as a man. And I'm like, holy shit, you're right. Like, <laughs> and just writing it, I'm realizing, oh my God. And I'm just noticing, because there was one point when I was, um, two points. One, there was this cute girl walking by. She had these amazing little stockings on. And uh, I was walking there with the, the sort of alpha male, the mm-hmm. alpha wolf of the pack. We were walking by and we both looked at her. We both watched her walk by and he goes, wow, nice stockings. And then I commented in Shakespeare and the domains that they're adjacent lie. So, but then later, of course, these guys, these two guys are having like with the three of us were the main guys, right? Uh-huh. So the two of them were having this whole sexual conquest contest and, um, they were comparing notes and stuff. And so the alpha, his jilted chicks, like bedded and then jilted, uh-huh. started to come to me. It was towards the end of the summer. They started to come to me and start to like make friends with me. Right. They start to like buddy up with me, like be chummy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't, uh, what, what are you doing? So I turned to him and I'm like, why are all of your girls like coming up to me and trying to be friends and make nice? He's right. like, well, it's because, it's because, and he literally, he turned to me, he said, it's because you're like, you're one of the guys, mm-hmm. but you have tits, so you're safe. Right. And I was like, that's exactly what's going on right now. <laughs> you know, so then, then re- rewriting this, like writing my experience right. down in clear words made me realize that, yes, I, I did not come of age as a woman. I came of age. I did the whole man, male ritual mm-hmm. of growing up and I did that. So I came of age as a man, although I'm a woman, but I'm very like, like it's kind of a running joke amongst those close to me. Like, right. Oh, you're really a terrible girl. aren't you? It's like, well, yeah, but I've always been like that too. So it's not <laughs> like they started it, but you've only been a now, terrible so now, girl by, by, by Western traditional patriarchal well, exactly, gender exactly. standards. I mean, right. that's the right. thing. Yes, exactly. Well, exactly. And that's what this trip is about, too. It's like, well, what does it mean to be feminine? Like, come on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's that, too. And I can't, I, I, again, I didn't write this article with any, like, talk about <laughs> trans women because I don't, mm-hmm. don't really have, I don't feel like it's right for me to, like, give myself that voice. I think I think that trans writers need to be writing about that. Right. Like if I have any trans women re- readers out there who read this article and like have something to say, I would really love to hear that. Um, and trans male too, like any trans, I would like to have them write about that experience either way, just because I don't feel like, like the whole thing about becoming the, the other binary gender mm-hmm. in order to be badass. That's, that's what I'm trying to pinpoint as far as the problematic aspect of it. And I don't, I don't want it to a parallel to hey trans is shitty it's not that it's just that this forcing a person to be something that they're not is not cool 
Right. And that's what the trope does. Anyway, I just want to I want to put that out there. Like any trans readers, please keep write other articles <laughs> in your own voice because I cannot re- represent you. I have no way of doing that. But just my own discovery of having gone through like my whole coming of age rituals in a masculine world mm-hmm. has been really interesting. And now as a woman in her 40s, I mean, I'm doing burlesque. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing lots of stockings all the time and I'm wearing high heels all the time. And one of the things that my ex said to me before we uh, separated was, was like, why are you wearing all this sexy shit now? Where was all this before? He was almost like <laughs> offended. Like, what, what the hell is going on? I'm like, I don't know. I'm, you know. <laughs> You've decided what? to explore the feminine power dynamic, I guess. You know, I just, I'm, yeah, because I, I was so enmeshed. And then after the, the rent fair experience, I got into the martial arts, which is a huge uh-huh. dude, bro. Right. Like we call it, we called a lot of the, the martial arts schools. We would go explore the macho bozo dojo. That's like a real, that's a martial arts trope is what that is. It's like, it's a super boy school. It's very macho. Stage combat and stunt world still is too. Right. So, yeah. I mean, like. Now I'm in burlesque and it's incredibly feminine. Like it's a real female centered kind of art. And so it's very interesting to me to be coming from a place where I literally came of age as a man, even though I'm a woman and I always was, I was always cis female. I never like, I kind of dressed a little bit androgynously, but I never Mm -hmm. really like, I never actually went trans. I never felt like anything but a woman. I was always ostensibly female. Right. And I've always like been sort of projecting like that. I don't know if I'm using really bad terms. I'm sorry about any trans folks out there who are listening. I don't know really. I'm old. I don't know what to say um, <laughs> to be correct. But anyway, so coming from that very masculine centered world and then now in my <laughs> advanced age being in burlesque, it's really fucking interesting. Yeah. And I'm learning a lot about myself as a woman <laughs> and as like the whole masculine world too. Like, what was it like? <laughs> I wasn't a woman in the man's world. I was one of the guys it really was that. So just really, really weird. <laughs> I'll probably write a lot more about that when I make this into a book. In other words, I have a lot yep. more to say because I'm discovering more and more every day. Do you so. have a, one of the girls tropes? Is one of the girls? Such a, one of the girls. Do you, is there that out there you know what i don't know but when i get to the sassy gay friend trope in the masculine tropes mm-hmm. i think i might start to kind of i pro- i probably will have an aspect of that there i can see that there's this sort of girlfriend kind of aspect of that particular trope and i haven't right. detailed any of the one that i haven't written yet right but i bet i will find a lot of that in that one and i bring that up because I kind of had the a, a sort of opposite experience to yours. I oh, huh? seem to have always had um, more female friends than male friends. Now, of course, prior to puberty and before college, just because of that situation, I, there was there was probably more of a balance as far as who I spent my time with. Uh-huh. Um, just because, <laughs> you know, when you're in, in grade school and in high school, there's still a lot of uh, really heavy gender coding going on. 
Yeah, right, right. Especially back in the era when I was there, you know. The, I was going to say, 80s. yeah, especially our age, yeah. Um, you know, so... Yeah, we didn't really have, I mean... Even though girls' sports were a, were starting to be a big thing in the 80s and, and 90s, still, if you were if you were a guy into sports, you were hanging out with guys. There, was, there wasn't an opportunity yeah. to... to to uh, uh, you know, be athletic in the presence of women, except no, no, to, you're to a cheerleader. Um, Girls were cheerleaders, right? And guys were the athletes, right? And then, but once once that kind of you know grade school, high school uh, caste system, you know, of of who fit in where, and I've started to break down in high school. Because I did the theater thing, which yeah. at my high school automatically made you gay or suspect. And that's then, a save. That that's a saving grace, though. Theater really like that fucking saves the lives right. of a lot of humans. I will totally say that because theater accepts everyone. True. It's the island of misfit toys. Right. But even even back in grade school, I was always that boy that girls would go and talk to about the boys they had crushes on. <laughs> right. And then in high school, um, I was still that guy. I was still the guy that girls would go to, to talk to a guy about, Oh my, the guy I like, you know, is such an asshole. And you would have to explain <laughs> guys to them. And then can I, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you have a shared, because you have this like parallel yet opposite experience that uh -huh. you're describing, was it really fucking hard to get laid? It was hard to get a girlfriend. It was, it was, it was humiliating to have the, the, um, the fact that you had a crush on somebody be exposed because nobody thought of you that way. And so if you did have a crush on a girl, it was like, oh, my yep. God, woo, he's got a crush on a girl. Let's go tease him about it. Fuck yeah. you. Right. Well, that's what girls do it to each other, too. <laughs> OK, so, yeah, I, so, I, I could not get laid to say my <laughs> life. You know, there were there were a couple, uh, you know, girls that. You know, I ended up, you know, having a, a a relationship with in high school, but it never lasted very long. Mm -hmm. um, and there were by okay, so far, it, was, it was possible for you, but it just kind of was a, a, a big stressor, probably. Well, you know, it it happened, um, but it but Not the the me. majority of this stuff was just me having a crush on a girl and and not anything happening about it because. You know, there was nobody for me to talk to about that kind of stuff. Right, right. Exactly. And, of course, you know, on top of the theater thing, I was on the girls' volleyball team. You were on the girls' volleyball team? My sophomore year. Yes, I did. I went and I tried out for the girls' volleyball team and I made the JV squad. Wait, what? Why? How does that? What? In 20 years, I've never told you that story before? No. And all the times we've been drinking, I never told you I was on the girls' volleyball team in high no. school. <laughs> I'm amazed and delighted by this news. This is fantastic. So, yes, Wait, so I they, literally was like one of that? the girls. I, what? How did they? How did they, how did they justify putting a guy on the girls' volleyball team? It's just, 
whatever. It's like the girls who are kickers for the boys yeah. ball teams now. You have to. You have to. Uh, uh, there was not a. a <laughs> there was not a. There was not a boys interscholastic volleyball team, and I wanted oh, to play volleyball. Oh, I see. Right. Oh, so you couldn't have auditioned for the boys team. Right. Oh. Yeah, in fact, in, in Kansas in the eighties, in Kansas in the eighties, volleyball was a girls' sport. Jesus did, Christ! Right? The fuck! And thank you for those air quotes. That's so <laughs> Despite radio, the fact that the volleyball, really men's radio. volleyball, was an Olympic sport in Kansas, if you wanted to play volleyball competitive, then you had to have a vagina. <laughs> Apparently not, since you got Apparently into not. Um, <laughs> You have a vagina, you haven't been telling me. Right. No, I have a mangina. The secret vagina. So. That's the yeah. phrase for this episode, I the was, secret vagina. Secret. It's the secret vagina. <laughs> <laughs> One of the manginas. Secret yeah, vagina. Secret anyway. Vagina. So, yeah, I was on the girls' volleyball team. Wow. And. And at the same time, that was when I tried out for the first play. So in one semester, the first semester of my of my Jesus sophomore year, age. I was did I made my I was in my first play, and I was on the girls' volleyball team. Holy and shit. so you know, mid nineteen eighties Kansas high school, they all ah. were sure that I was gay. You had to be right, right? And it was like, yeah, I'm going on a multi-hour bus ride in the dark with your girlfriends and you're rolling around on the guy on the floor with another guy who's the one with some latency yeah, issues sorry right? but i don't think <laughs> so <laughs> yeah you ever seen that that video it came out right before um the gay marriage uh, law went into effect it was uh -oh. a sort of an ad for that it was an ad for supporting it it was all these gay guys who are like support gay marriage or we'll marry your girlfriends <laughs> we like going to the gym we like having pink berry after as a treat what why are you what's your problem with this we're always amazingly it? ripped we always dress really well right what are you doing with your cargo shorts and your it's so great they're like oh you think we don't know how to you think the sex thing has you covered no 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 <laughs> she tells us everything that she likes and she tells us all of your feelings and she kisses us when she's drunk because she thinks it's funny. So support me in marriage or we will marry the fuck out of your girlfriends. <laughs> right. <laughs> be left and oh, and that kind of threesome she wants. We're cool with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this lovely little like very yeah. celebratory kind of thing. Yep. Oh, that's interesting. So we like came from different like right. sides of the and, swing and, of the pendulum. And you were wondering. You thought it was a mystery why we got along so well. <laughs> yeah, no shit. You're like, oh my God, you're one of the guys. I'm like, you're one of the girls. <laughs> <laughs> Let's drink pitchers of beer. Let's drink lots and kill of beer. Our poor friend Kevin. Right. Uh, kill anybody who tried to keep up with us. <laughs> So yeah, so there you are. <laughs> One of the, the secret, secret vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fascinating. I think we both should write about this. I think we both should write. I've written about articles. It. We should write robust articles about our experience coming of age through the opposite binary gender. Yeah, because he's always been basically cis male, right? Like you've never really 
been super androgynous as far as your Mm -mm. gender, right? Well, I mean, it's when, when you're, when you're a cis male and you, you tend to go through life, um, not having, not uh, when you go through life, having your, your sexuality either questioned or dismissed. Oh, wow. So, you know, all of these girls that would come and, and, and talk to me about their boys and then, you know, and then tell me shit like, you know, they would, they would, they would talk about how all men were horrible. And I would say, thanks, but I'm a guy. Oh, well, you're Mm -hmm. not like the other ones. What do you mean? I'm not like those. I don't know. You're just different. You mean I'm not an asshole? And, and then of course, having it miss, having my, my sexuality misidentified by insecure Uh guys, he's gay. We don't really see you as a sexual thing, right? You tend to, right. So physically I present as very cisgendered male, Mm -hmm. but either having, Oh, I know. Thank you. (laughs) It's a good villain. It's getting gray. It's a super villain beard. I want to shave it off, but I am reluctant to. So anyway, so you either have, you either have, no, the mustache by itself is not that great. Um, Really? I see a dark stripe down the sides. I think you you could leave, you could do a total like, Oh, the handlebar! Cow- like you could do a cowboy, yeah, like a cowboy handlebar. Oh, no, I, I've fantastic. There's some pictures. I'll have to send them to you. I look awful. Okay. Oh, okay. So <laughs> you do. It's your face. You do what you want. <laughs> having it either dismissed or misconstrued tends to repress it after a certain time. Sure. Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. Because. Totally. Yep. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you and I both know this from other ends of the spectrum. That's why I think. Yep. You know this. This particular trope one of the guys could have very easily have a masculine counterpart but where is that but where is that represented in the media when it's not oh he really is gay right yeah well exactly right right um maybe ducky is probably the only one i was about to say ducky but it's heavily implied that he is gay though isn't it no but he at the end of the movie he wanders off with the girl yeah, I know. Because it was the 80s. Right. So, yeah. So, you know, I... Yeah, that's fascinating. Do you remember that uh, Under the Gay Umbrella panel from our first year at Naropa? Uh, vaguely. Right? Well, that was my whole thing. Um, Deb, uh, I Sika was the one yeah, who Sika. got me, um, who convinced me I should do that panel. Um under the assumption that the you're a lesbian that I was at least bi. She wanted me to right. do this panel. And then she hated me after the panel because my thing was, she realized you were straight. was, you know, our, our, our gender binary has often left me feeling like I don't fit in, even though, right. you know, my primary, you know, sexual interest and fantasies has always been women. My go-to sexual fantasy always involves a woman. I'm straight. Yeah. Well, so you're straight. Right? Yeah. But mm-hmm. you know, because because I don't act like a lot of straight guys. Right. You know, and me too. Like, and I don't I don't like the movies that chicks like. I don't like you know I don't like all the yeah. stuff that 
But that's and like how much is that is just stereotypes and like how many actual humans right. actually are like that? I know a few, but <laughs> that doesn't mean that that's the truth of right. most human beings. But I don't know. That's fascinating. And I've been having lots of interesting talks, too, is um, intellectually with my partner, who's been reading a lot of um, uh, Foucault mm-hmm. and talking about the the interesting difference between when you and I were coming of age and the notion of legitimizing sexuality mm-hmm. and and the the more sweeping like non-binary is actually like a thing now. Right. And um and like the history of legitimizing sexuality, like being gay is a scientific thing and mm-hmm. it's not something I choose and therefore it is it's legit, right? But then there's all kinds of other questions on, under that. It's like, well, you're you're proving that it's not your fault, therefore that's implying a fault. Right. And I don't know. It's 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 been this fascinating thing and, and it's and we've been talking a lot about like like you're saying, like you're not androgynous. Like you've never like, you know, wanted to sort of cross dress or, or like right. your, your gender was never in question for you necessarily, or you right. never, you never, never were super fluid as far as your gender goes. Me and me too. The only time that my sexuality was in question was when I was young and didn't know myself and everybody around me was saying, you're gay. And I was like, uh-huh. am yeah, I? Right. Maybe. Exactly. I don't know. I don't feel gay, right? Right. When you're at that age where you don't trust what's in you and what everybody points at is what you try to become. And it's like, but that doesn't feel right. Right, right. And so that, yeah, it's a nature versus nurture thing too, for sure. Right. But then it's like, how how about every choice you make sexually is your sexuality? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like the whole, like trying to legitimize sexuality is great, but at the same time it is, it's actually like vital. Like the fact that same sex couples can get married now, the fact that, you know, if I had a same sex partner, I could go into the hospital if she got sick. Like that kind of thing is fucking vital. And that needs to happen in the eighties. That was not happening. Like people who were dying of AIDS were like their partners, of many years sometimes we're mm-hmm. not allowed in the fucking hospital room with them because they weren't like, right. you know, so there's a lot of reasons why legitimizing sexuality is great. But at the same time, it's like, so, but yeah, but maybe it's, everything's a choice. Like everything's a choice. <laughs> like right and, now and, identify and as things are also not some- a choice because, you know, your, 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 your sexual orientation is pretty much going to be hardwired. Whatever, even if even if it's fluid, it's hardwired to be fluid. Well, sure, but like at the same time, everything, every person you choose to have sex with, all the ways of having sex you choose to to do, that's all you choosing to do that. Like I identify as bi now, but and I I I talk about how I didn't realize it before, but at the same time, like all of my sexuality has to do with everything about with my choices, the choices I make, the people I have tried to and have had relationships with like it's all it is every choice I make has to do with my sexuality so it's like right okay well at the same time sure I was born by but at the same time I've made lots of choices in my well true you know <laughs> and, there, a and, bloomer, and, so and, a, and a gay man can choose never to have sex with a man that doesn't mean he's not gay no exactly exactly 
Exactly. But then like, so right. what, but then your sexuality is very, di- I don't know. It's, it's, it's incredibly complex and messy and wet. And well, he could, he, his, his, you know, that's, and that right there is a choice based upon cultural pressures. And we had gay men that made that And there's choice, that too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and just because you do something doesn't make you that thing. Right. It's the, this yeah, is, no, and this is, this is essential. What you just said is essential. It's the difference between what you do and what you are. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. That's an essential difference. And so do you think that this trope then erases that difference or exacerbates it? The one of the guys? Yes. I think, I think it messes the whole thing up because what it, what it requires is that you forget or eradicate Mm -hmm. what you are in order to be able to do something that you want to do. Right. Okay. Like I I talk about in the article a little bit and I want to talk about it more when I write the book is that I wasn't really, I mean, you know, I've gone through pain in in growing up, of course, like everybody does, Mm -hmm. but what I didn't realize was how painful it was to give up my womanhood Hmm. in order to be one of the guys. And I didn't, I didn't, I had no idea at the time. I know I had a crush on this one person and I was, Mm -hmm. who was being unrequited. That was painful. That was obvious. What I didn't get was how painful that was to be like, to have all those jokes. And actually we used that Vasquez joke in one of our scripts for one of the fight scenes. You wrote about it in the article. And it was like, just having that be just a constant was actually really painful to give up what I was as a woman. To not have it acknowledged In order to to do, yeah, not not to have it acknowledged. Like you're saying, like to be told what I was instead of to be able to be what I actually was, which is very different than what I was being told. Right. Which is what you're saying too. And that's part of the pain that you're talking about. It's like, wait, wait a minute. I, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I'm actually very different than what you're telling me. I am. And this is like, this is unfair, but like, right. So I think that's, that's what the, the trope, that's why the trope, this trope is damaging is that it, it does make you give up what you are in order to do something that you want to do mm-hmm. as opposed to in a good, healthy, hopefully realistic way. You can be yourself and do the things that you want to do. You don't have to give up the one to do the other or not do the things you want to do in order to be yourself. Right. And that's why the, the A1 thing, like I keep talking about, like she had to give up the fact that she was A1 shield maiden in order to go fight. Well, she had to give up the appearance of it because in the end it was ultimately important that she still be that even though she was dressed as a man. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. But in order to, she had to put it on a different name. She had to be called something else. She had Mm -hmm. to have different clothing on. She had to pretend to be someone else. Right. Up until that moment where she got to be like, Hey, guess what? I am no man. Right on sister. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay, so Does that next make sense? week, yes, okay. next week, we're only here for your vagina. Yeah, we are. Yeah, <laughs> we're only here for that. We're here for for my pussy galore. We're here for. We're only here for Jen's 
Pussy galore. <laughs> Zuko's pussy. Actually, this is the one thing that I used to always say when I was one of the, because one of the guys, like the, the, the band of young men always had very homophobic and very misogynistic, like slang that they'd uh, always use. Right. Um, so two things. One is that they would always call you faggot or pussy if you were being weak. It was just kind of the sort of jeering, jibing kind of mm-hmm. like guy talk that I, they'd always have, especially in the 90s. Like no one was super like, right. conscientious about that kind of thing. And so they're like, oh, you fucking pussy. And I'm like, well, I have a pussy. I am not a pussy mm-hmm. myself, right. but I've got one. <laughs> so I always like kind of throw that into the talk and they'd be like, oh, shit. And we kind of stop them and go, oh, my God. <laughs> OK, cool. But there was one piece of slang. And I actually talked about this in front of a burlesque audience. And I had like my boobs basically all not quite naked because you're not allowed to do that, but almost. And this is a piece of slang was kind of based on surfer slang, I think, which is like if something was really cool or really awesome, it's like, oh, that's tits. And so I was like, oh, dude, that's tits. Oh, that's tits. So that was like the thing. It was cool. It was tits. And then I kind of cool. Because tits are cool. There is no, and my tits, however, so this is what I, because I'm one of the guys, right? And I, I use that slang for, for sure. And I'm like, oh, that's not just tits. That's my tits. Because <laughs> <laughs> my tits are fucking amazing. And they really are. And anyone who's seen them and experienced them will attest to this. And so all the guys were like, oh my God. And it was just a moment where it was like, I kind of, on the one hand, sort of reminded them, hey, I'm not actually a guy. I am one of the guys, but right. I'm kind of not a guy, though. But <laughs> on the one hand. On the other hand, it was like, I am one of the guys, though. And so they completely embraced this. So whenever they, anything was really cool, it was, oh, it's tits. Whenever anything was especially cool, like unbelievably cool, is, oh, that's Zuko's tits. <laughs> that's... <laughs> That's Zuko's tits. And that's really special because, you know, that's tits is a total slang term that's like all over the country, basically. But only a very few, only a very special band of young men knows what it is to have something be Zuko's tits. It's especially special. (laughs) 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 So that's my closing story for one of the guys. That's Zuko's tits. Well, then we'll see each other next week, right? Only for my vagina or only Zuko's tits. I only, don't know. Well, we'll see your vagina next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I'm not allowed to go that far in burlesque. Burlesque, you have to be covered. You have to be pasties and a thong, at least. And a merkin. Pasties and a merkin. <laughs> pasties and a merkin. Everything comes around to pasties it and a merkin. All it's all pasties and a merkin. <laughs> I'll see you next week, Jen. (laughs) (laughs) The Outrider podcast is recorded by me, Jason Quinn Malott, and cleaned up by my badass producer, Heather Ann Eden. The songs Choose and Adventure and Break and Mend used in this series are by Wichita-based band Cartwheel off their new EP, Best Days, and are used by permission of the copyright holder, Kristen Chapman. You can get Cartwheel's EP on Apple Music and Spotify, so visit them at www.cartwheel.band.